Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 26 of Revelation chapter 14, and we're looking in verse 11. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night, who worship the beast in his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Now, we've been looking at this verse for a couple of studies, and we've seen that the Bible will not allow any conclusion that um, relates to an everlasting punishment without end, eternal damnation, or the idea that the church has put forth and theologians have put forth throughout the many centuries of the church age, that hell is um, a, a place where people will suffer without end. The Bible will not permit that conclusion. Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 1 through 3, is part of the law of God that declares that a judge may not give more than 40 stripes. And the important principle established through that law is that a judge cannot punish a transgressor without limitation there must be limitation to the punishment and and the rest of the bible then comes into focus and we understand um, that what god has been saying repeatedly in, in many scriptures is that there will be an end to the wicked that's exactly the language of the bible he will perish he will be cut off He'll be no more. This is what God says time and again throughout the Bible, and and yet we have misread these things historically down through time to understand them and apply them to a place called hell. And there is no such place that will be created. Hell identifies with the grave, and, and death is the close of life. It is the end of a person's existence. They will know nothing ever again. And and that means when we look at a verse like this, and we'll find some in the Bible, the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. We have to look more closely to see, well, it, are we missing something? It cannot be uh, an eternal judgment unlimited, it must be something else. And when we look at the Greek word ice, which is Strong's number 1519, and with a word like this, with with certain prepositions and, and small little words in the Strong's Concordance, you'll not find too much help because they're used so often that Strong's has an index where all the places they're found are are mentioned, but but there's um, not much uh, help that is given. And 
the concordance. But if you go to Englishman's concordance, you'll find all the places they're listed and the various English words that they're translated as. And this word is translated as to and into very often. For instance, uh, you can go to Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 and verse 8 and find this same Greek word translated as to, T-O. Or Matthew 7.13 and Matthew 9.13. Or as into in Matthew 2.11, 12, 13, 14, 20, 21, and so on. And that's just a small sampling um, of how often this particular word is translated as to or into. And, and once we make that substitution, which the Bible permits, because that's how God has allowed this word to be translated in numerous other verses, the smoke of their torment descendeth up to ever and ever, to the point of, or into, right up into the period of the destruction of this world and the creation of the new heaven and new earth and and the entry point of eternity future is the idea that is being given here. And it's the same, the same thing, for instance, in Revelation 20, where we read in, um, in verse 10, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night, for, again, that's the same Greek word, ice, 1519. Two, ever and ever. It, it, it's the, uh, end of this world, and, and while this world lasts, there is time. There is day and night. Genesis 8, verse 22 tells us that. Let me, uh, turn over there. And, and this was, um, after the flood and, and God made this statement to indicate that uh, he would not bring a destruction upon the earth as he did with the flood uh, ever again that, but the world would be destroyed by fire he tells us in, in other places in Genesis 8 verse 22 while the earth remaineth seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease while the earth remaineth day and night shall not cease the implication is once the earth is removed as the bible tells us in hebrews 12 that the earth will be shaken and and be removed and once the earth is removed there'll no longer be day and night uh, the Lord tells us in Revelation 21 of the new heaven and new earth, there is no night there. The, the, the timekeepers of the sun, moon, and stars, the celestial clock that God established and, and placed in the heavens above, uh, that, that a time is governed by all throughout the history of the world, are destroyed with the destruction of this world, the whole universe, is burned up and melted with a fervent heat. We read in Second Peter three, 
and therefore time, which was made as a part of this creation, is no more. Remember what Revelation 10 stated in uh, verse 6, And swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that therein are, and the earth and the things that therein are, and the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. The time will be destroyed when this world is destroyed, when the universe is destroyed. There is no more time, no more day and night. Day and night is not possible because that's a time reference that continues while the earth remains. But when the earth is gone, when when the earth has been destroyed and the heavens along with it, all of this creation, then time is no longer. There cannot be day and night. Which means, and, and this was the uh, help that God gave us in verses like this in Revelation 20 that we just read. God said that the torment of the beast and the false prophet and the devil, that, that torment takes place day and night for ever and ever. That's not possible for the torment to continue forever and ever. That's number one. We've seen that from Deuteronomy 25. That goes against the law of God. But secondly, it's not possible because day and night does not continue forever and ever into eternity future. Day and night has an end once this world is destroyed. And and so in on both counts, God is letting it be known that uh, you better watch out. You better watch out and and with what I'm saying here and and not be deceived as mankind has been deceived through the the casual reading or the surface reading of the scriptures that indicate seemingly that God's punishment of the sinner will be forevermore. No. And and that's the same thing we find here in verse 11 of Revelation 14. The smoke of their torment ascendeth up to ever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night. There's the time reference, which reveals to us and lets us know that what is happening to those that worship the image of the beast, and and the Bible again tells us in Revelation 13, everyone whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life will worship the image of the beast, that what is happening to them, their, their period of torment, is occurring in time during the normal course of this world. That is, the world is there. The world is continuing. The sun rises and, and, and sets and the moon comes out in the, in the night and the stars are still in the heavens. The, the 24 hour period that God built into the fabric of this creation, that God established in 
the very creation of these timekeepers of this celestial clock is still operating. The clock is ticking. Time is continuing. And, and therefore, therefore, whenever we come across these verses that seem to indicate punishment, and, and there are many of them in the Bible that indicate the wicked are suffering, and, and here it says day and night, and the Bible says there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, and, and, uh, some are cast into outer darkness and so forth. There must be a recognition by the Bible student that this is happening in the present world during the the normal course of the day, the 24-hour period, and the next 24-hour period, day and night. It's happening within the boundaries of time. That's the teaching of the Bible. And it it's actually not possible for someone to hold to the doctrine of annihilation, which is biblically correct, and at the same time hold to the idea of Christ coming and destroying the world in a moment, at the time of his coming. And there is time no more, because it does not allow for weeping and gnashing of teeth. It does not allow for the torment that the Bible speaks of. Remember, Revelation 9 said there'll be five months of torment, which is a figure to represent the duration of Judgment Day. Uh, there are numerous scriptures that indicate the wicked are suffering or experiencing the torment of God in some way, and it is working out over time, day and night. And so when uh, people are returning to the idea that that May 21 was not Judgment Day. Oh no, we're waiting for the Lord to come. And when he comes, that will be it. All right, well, what happens then? They, see, they haven't, they haven't uh, taken the many verses of the Bible into account and tried to fit all the scriptures. That, that For instance, we know that immediately after the tribulation, the sun is darkened. The moon does not give its light. And the stars fall from heaven. Well, those are the timekeepers. If if it's a literal reference, that would mean the end of the world. But the problem is in Mark thirteen twenty four, which is a parallel verse to Matthew twenty four twenty nine, and, and let me read this. Uh, it says in Mark thirteen, verse twenty four. But in those days. After that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars of heaven shall fall. It says that there's a period of time called those days, which is plural, after the tribulation, in which the sun is dark and the moon's not giving its light and the stars have fallen. And so how can that be? Those days is a time reference. And in order to have time, you need the sun, moon, and stars. You you can't think and, or, or imagine that right after the tribulation, 
God comes and destroys the sun and the moon and the stars, or they're all dark and the world's still here, it couldn't operate. It couldn't function even for the smallest amount of time. And certainly there could not be a period of days without the sun, the moon, and stars operating. And Genesis 8.22 tells us, while the earth remains, there will be day and night, which means you'll, you'll need the sun, moon, and stars. So how do they explain it? Well, I'm, I'm afraid to say they, they don't explain it. They just avoid the passages. They don't harmonize them or fit them together. And yet, there is an explanation. And the explanation is, immediately after the tribulation, May 21, 2011, the Great Tribulation ended. The sun was darkened spiritually. The moon, the light of the Word of God went out. And the stars fell. The the light um, bearers that, uh, that represent or tie in with believers went dark. And the light of the gospel spiritually went out across the face of the earth. While, literally, physically, the sun, moon, and stars remain. And, and in those days after the tribulation, this period of time we've lived through and continue to live in, the spiritual lights of the gospel remain dark, but the um, celestial literal lights that God placed in the heavens remain. So, so while the earth remains, there is day and night. Day and night in which torment is taking place. The day of judgment, which is likened to five months of torment, is occurring over the course of time in which the beast and the false prophet and, and the unsaved of the world are being tormented to ever and ever to the coming day when the the time of God's wrath will have been completed and poured out into the cup that he measured, which in all likelihood will be 10,000 days of judgment in, in its completeness on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, in all likelihood, October 7th of 2015, we will come to the point of eternity future and the torment will cease and and conclude and God will finalize the destruction of all the unsafe people of the earth of the earth itself and the heavens and it it would have taken place to the point of ever and ever well now that's what we want to look at uh, in in our verse in Revelation 14 in verse 11 as it says and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up to ever and ever and they have no rest day nor night now the reference to ever and ever it's it's to the point of eternity and and that's a correct understanding of what is being said to Ever and ever. Now the, the Greek word translated as ever and ever is aeonon, which is Strong's number 165, and it's translated in some interesting ways, um, in the New Testament. 
Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 to start with. 1 Corinthians 10, and it says in verse 11, after um, in, in the previous verses God was describing some of Israel's history and, and the spiritual significance of it, he says in verse 11, Now all these things happened unto them for ensamples, and they are written for our admonition. That would be the New Testament believers upon whom the ends of the world are come. The ends of the world. Now, that's very interesting that it's not the end of the world, singular, which we would expect as, as we find that sort of language in many places, but ends of the world as if there's more than one end. And it it doesn't really make sense until we understand that the English word world is a translation of aenon. Aenon is uh, a word that is translated as world on occasion, and it's also translated as course and and ages uh, let's let's go to ephesians chapter 1 ephesians 1 verse 21 says far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world and that's the same word anon but also in that which is to come so there's a a present world, and there is a world to come. And we we recognize that. Yes, the Bible says that there is a earth now, and there will be a new earth. So, so we can understand that. In Ephesians 2, it says in verse 2, wherein in time past he walked according to the course, and that's aenon, of this world here the Greek word translated as world is is uh, cosmos, which is a different word, according to the prince of the power of the air. So there it speaks of the course of this world. And Aenon is translated as age in a couple of places. And that really helps me to understand this word better and substitute that in Ephesians 2 too. In time past, you walked according to the age of this world. And uh, see, it, it's it's not the world itself, but it's an era or an epoch. It, it is uh, it, in um, verses 6 and 7 of Ephesians 2. It says, And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, and that's the same word, anon, plural, in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. So God speaks of ages to come. He says that there's the ends of this age, in 1 Corinthians 10:11. The the ends of this age are come, and there is ages to come. In Hebrews 9, and um, th- this is a, um, 
sort of difficult word to get a hold of. So, so I want to um, just just get a, a, for us to get a feel of it in Hebrews nine twenty six. For then, speaking of the Lord Jesus, must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And the, the word world, once in the end of the world, is aeonon. Once in the end of the ages, it, it's actually... Um, plural there, once in the end of the ages hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now Christ appeared or was made manifest uh, in 33 AD to demonstrate the things he had done from the foundation of the world. And God is indicating that in 33 AD when Jesus appeared, it was the end of the ages. Now, why would he say that? Why would the Lord say that 33 AD was the end of the ages? And I, I think when we understand, when we look at biblical history, we see the creation of the world, and then there was a period of time to the flood. And, and that was a, a distinct period of time, 6,023 years from creation, until the flood in 4990 BC. And then from the flood, there was um, general history that unfolded until the formation of Israel as God began to deal with the family of Abraham. And, and that was another distinct period of time, from the flood to Abraham. And then from the formation of Israel to Christ was another a different epoch or or period of time from Christ we have uh in 33 AD the beginning of the church age and and 1955 years of the church age so we, and and notice we call it the church age the church age and this word aeon is translated as age we we actually look back at biblical history and we see yes God had a whole different program for the church age than he did for the age of Israel. And then he did when prior to Israel's formation, he dealt with individuals for for that period from the flood to Abraham. And even before that, there was a different age from creation until God destroyed the world with the flood. So we can see eras or ages, ages, that I think is what this word is pointing to. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.